thinking three again. Missed one a few moments ago. There it is, and down it goes for his first NBA hoop. I don't want to call it today, you know, I just made it rain. Hold me back, fam! A below average three-point shooter. There's Simmons. I got 50 biscuits. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the PickSwap Podcast. Coming off two very strange, I don't want to say strange, unexpected uh, outcomes of two straight games. Uh, we're going to get a lot into that. We're going to talk about Maxi and his amazing game last night. We're going to talk about Shake and Furkan off the bench. The backup center debacle, we should say. Doc Rivers and his rotations. And then we'll also go back and talk about uh, the Raptors' loss as well. I'm James Brain. I'm here with Sean Bernard as usual. What's up, Sean? Yeah, very, very strange uh, back-to-back stretch. You know, just as we all expected, a, a full-strength Sixers team would uh, lose to the Raptors in very disappointing fashion and then uh, rest James Harden and Joel Embiid the next day, only to beat the number one seeded Heat. So, you know, it's impossible to figure out this team, but Tyrese Maxey might be the best player in the universe, so it's okay. Yeah, a lot a lot to discuss in those two losses. I mean, and a Raptors team that was without Fred Van Vliet. Uh, that night as well. So a shorthanded yeah. Raptors team who's like the seventh seed in the East right now. Um, obviously, we'll talk about that all that later. Before we get started, we want to thank our sponsor, BetUS. It's a leading sportsbook and casino in the nation. Uh, we're super, ha- super happy to be partnered up with them. They just implemented uh, player props, which is what we love. Talking about picks about parlays. Me and Sean were just discussing uh, a lot of betting talk before we started recording today. It's, it's the hot-button topic of the country right now, especially with March Madness and everything that's going on there. Uh, you can use our code PICKSWAP at login for $500 risk-free on your first bet. That's PICKSWAP at login to get started betting with us and BetUS. Um, so let's let's go back and talk about – do you want to talk about the Raptors first or, or the Heat first? Let's stay positive. I want to talk about last night first. Okay. All right. So the Sixers – so the Miami Heat come in full strength. Uh, the Sixers haven't seen Miami at full strength in a while. Mm-hmm. Um but they get to see them last night when the Sixers are without Joel Embiid and James Harden, who are kind of on like it was an expected rest day, uh, second yeah. night of a back to back, and you know Embiid had a tough fall. He's been dealing with some back injury. He's been kind of game time decision for the last you know four or five games. James Harden has obviously you know only missed the one game with the hamstring injury, so he's obviously going to uh, get some rest here and there. And there was something that Doc Rivers discussed, um, you know, throughout the last couple of weeks. Tyrese Maxey comes in and scores 13 points, 13 of his 28 points in the fourth quarter. The Sixers kept this close all game. So we'll talk about the fourth quarter as a whole um, kind of like later, but just bring me through that whole game. How did they stay close? And what did you see just like competitive wise uh, with the guys that were available from last night? Yeah. So this was like a needed game in terms of for yeah. all these guys in the bench rotation, a lot of these guys, I mean, Furkan and Shake have been flat out out of the rotation in these past couple games and to just be given like an opportunity. And this was very much like a prove it game for all these guys. So you see like them showing their stuff and I'll get to Maxi in a second, but just like for me, seeing Furkan and Shake kind of being themselves again was super huge. And especially Furkan, like this is a guy throughout his whole career here. We've watched him never be afraid to take a shot and never be afraid to seek out his own three pointer and that kind of thing. And, that just hasn't been the case this year. His three-point percentage dipped down to 29%. He was pretty much just unplayable. He turned into the, the point guard Ferk, which was a weird experiment that went on for a while. And just kind of really disappointing how it's gone for this, him this year. And then to see him just pour in 10 points early on in the first quarter, come in 4-4 four four shooting right off the rip, just letting it fly. 
it was awesome to see that and good to see like a signs of life in that. And with shake as well. I mean, Maxi was battling uh, foul trouble for a good portion of that game. He picked up three quick ones. His third was with like five minutes left in the second quarter. So shake got extended minutes. He ended with 31 minutes on the game and 20 points, six assists, five rebounds, a steal and a block is that's an awesome shake Milton stat line right there. And he, you like, they were not empty stats whatsoever. You felt his presence. He was attacking. He was aggressive. He was creating his own shot. And that that's the shake Milton that once again is needed in the Sixers rotation. And the thing that's like, it's almost like a tease when we watch them play well, because watching like shake and Furkan at their best are, would be super useful players in the Sixers rotation. And I mean, we've been banging the hammer about banging the hammer about needing bench points and needing bench production. And to see those guys still kind of have it is super, I guess, exciting. And, and ho- I guess just hopeful in that regard. And, Obviously, last night was such a, a unique case in terms of uh, like Harden and Embiid not being there, and that's so much the identity of this Sixers team. But they're going to need these guys to produce down the stretch. The Sixers need to find something consistent from their bench lineup. So it's cool to see those guys kind of get back on the right foot a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Shake and Boogie, man, he really can. Uh, it, it's funny. It's like it's so nice to see him work. It's so nice to see him play well because um, when he plays well, he's a joy to watch. He, he's yeah lengthy he's athletic he's smooth uh and a, a little bit quirky with his game but it works um and when it works it looks really good uh Furkan, like you know you you kind of hit the nail on the head with all that um Furkan is at one point we considered Furkan to be a, like a really valuable piece uh to this rotation a guy that like we kind of were banking on at times to give you eight points a game and and, and be a sharpshooter and like you said, he became timid at times, which is just yeah. so far and away from what we're used to seeing from Furkan. Um, and with last night's game, you could see from the from the jump. I don't know what was said to them, or you know, the the, the leash was off with both of them. Uh, aggressive, attacking, seeking shots. There was a shot in the fourth quarter with Furkan. Tobias swung it, and I knew from the start Furkan was going to shoot it. And the confidence, the flow. Uh, he looked natural again. It was, it was just nice to see Furkan kind of back in his element. And I hope, I mean, I don't get ahead of myself. And I, it's going to be difficult to see what they do going forward because Furkan has been so bad uh, for such a good portion of this year. Like, I don't know if they stick with him uh, and give him a chance. Right now, I don't see why not, at least for the next game or so. Um, but, like, it was kind of nice to have that night off with Joel uh, and James Harden to see what they have with these guys and maybe get them back on track, give them an opportunity to, to reach back in their bag and get back into a rhythm when you're talking about this bench unit and what they could do. Um, a lot of people, and we did discuss this a little like last week, I think, um, you know, with the all bench lineups and how much we've hated those over the years, where do you see them falling in? Because clearly it was, it wasn't just, Oh, these guys had a nice night. It was the fact that they were empowered by having the ball in their hands, by having a little bit more responsibility. Um, so do you see them kind of maybe gearing away from staggering so much uh, and giving these guys a, a couple extra minutes. And maybe it's just Tyrese Maxey, you know, on the floor with these guys because they did play well alongside him. Uh, but do you think there's going to be a difference in what Doc does in terms of the staggering of the stars? So uh, to start with here, uh, first off, obviously James Harden and Joel Embiid are terrific and uh, extremely valuable part of the yeah. sixth team. That's not changing whatsoever. But I will say that when we watch come down to like crunch time with those two, the Sixers a lot of times fall victim to like the just stand around and watch those guys work and ISO ball, let them do their thing, which again is they're great. They can do that. 
I was I loved last night. There was just like a, a new life and a new creativity in the offense. And you saw with the, the three guard lineup specifically, they were running the three men. We even uh bullying Tyler Hero, which I absolutely loved watching. And yeah, uh, they shot nine of twelve on him in the fourth quarter. They attempted twelve shots with him as the primary defender in the, the fourth quarter. And a lot of like their offense was literally just getting switches. There was uh, two possessions where Tobias just attacked and got drove to the basket on him. One where Niang did it. Maxi had his way with him on three straight possessions with a pull up, two threes, and uh, four possessions. I'm sorry, and a scoop around the basket. So they really just kind of attack like the weak link of the Heat defense, which is yeah. Tyler Hero. And I don't see that enough with Doc. And that's something that I want to to translate to with Harden and Bead returning is. It was more schematically what excited me last night. Like, I haven't seen as much like fluidity and movement and sharing the ball and stuff like that. That yeah. it was it was exciting and and it worked. Like, I, I I've been so frustrated and to not to circle back to the Nets game. One of the larger frustrations with that was the Sixers never attacked Seth Curry, who is a far worse defender than even Tyler Hero, and that's something that I haven't seen enough with Doc. It's like. I get relying on Embiid or Harden, but those guys are always going to draw the number one defender or the the team's best attempt to guard them. If there's a weak link guy, like the the five on our court should be good enough to attack that. Like Tyrese Maxey facing the second or third or sometimes even fourth like defender on a team should be able to eat on that matchup every single time. So to me, it'll be interesting how the rotation plays out. I think a lot of it is going to depend on like like, I think Ferk and Shake will get another chance after last night, and it'll depend how that goes, I think. But aside from the rotations, I think schematically, like, I liked the the movement, the fluidity, and I saw a lot more of that last night, which excited me. Yeah, and especially, like you said, Lee. Um, yeah. Like, going after a guy, you know, having a point of attack. And, dude, the best part about it was that they were attacking Hero in the top of a two. They were playing a zone, man, yeah. and he was getting blown by – regularly like it was part of the play was for him to get blown by and then bam had to come over and play help defense or whoever was in the middle um and maxi really ate on that you know in the fourth quarter we'll, we'll talk about that in a sec but like you said i think that i i just wish that doc was able to it seems like this happens though it's it's the same thing that happened during that covid stretch like he gets these guys to compete and like last night they have life and they have energy and they, they're flying all over the court and, you know, guys that haven't played in 10 games. Like, Fergan hasn't played legitimate, like, real minutes in multiple weeks. Like, he played 14 minutes against the Nets, but that's because the Sixers were down by 35. Yeah. You know, like, it didn't – that game was out of hand. Like, yeah, Paul Millsap he, hasn't – He has not shot – he shot seven three-point attempts last night. He has not shot that since January 25th. Yeah, and Shake Milton played, what did you say, 30, 31 minutes last night? 31 minutes, yeah. He hasn't played I, – I saw this morning. He hasn't played a 30-minute game since December. These guys aren't playing. you know. And then they come in, they bring the energy, they give you something extra, and he ha they help you win a ball game. But then there's nights like against the Raptors where you just look like shit. You just look like you don't care. You look like, you know, again, an entitled team that just feels like they deserve to win and it's just going to fall into your lap. And that just bothers me. Like why is it so one way or the other? You know, they should have this energy. And, and, you know, maybe it was an injection of younger guys, uh, guys that had something to prove. Um, because, like, again, Furkan, if he played if he played poorly last night, who knows if he's getting another shot at all the regular the rest of the season. Like, there's only 11 games left. Like, he yeah. might not – he like, he might get one more shot now after having a great game last night. Shake was kind of in and out of the rotation. Who knows if he played poorly. Maybe he doesn't get another shot. So, 
you know, maybe it was just the fact that they had something to prove. There was something on the line a little bit. Um, but let's go into that fourth quarter. Let's talk about that. Because um, Tobias played really well in the fourth quarter. Uh, mm-hmm. But obviously the night was capped off by Tyrese Maxey, you know, with the crowd chanting Maxey, Maxey, Maxey. Um, you know, an and one layup, nice, another nice, really high off the glass layup. And then two absolute bombs. Like, mm-hmm. just ridiculous, man. The poise, the confidence. And then to, to end the night on a chase down block yeah uh, with the left hand off the backboard man just kind of encapsulate that that last like seven or eight minute span yeah i mean he was absolutely awesome and everything he did on the court the threes were ridiculous he had the the step to the side the one was from deep range with a couple feet in between the line before him and i guess what impressed me the most is just like this kid is not afraid of the moment whatsoever and you see him when he's when he's waving the crowd on when he's doing his thing and just like it, it's it, this kid is so legit in how good he is and he's improved in every single category that you look for and i i really don't think i've seen a guy make the leaps and bounds that he has in the two years as a professional basketball player and he just continually improves in every area of his game it was so cool watching him beat fired up on the sideline jumping yeah. around being the number one cheerleader and and even like uh him helping it to bias up on the side and uh i i, I was so just genuinely excited by last night and I can't say enough about Tyrese Maxey. Like in the short term, he's absolutely the the X factor for how good this team are in terms of like he's the third guy behind behind Harden and Embiid. And however great Maxey can become, just changes the the ceiling of this team. And in the long term, I believe this guy's a great A superstar. That he is going to have the keys to this organization handed to him. He's going to be ready when the time comes. And I, I that to me, I think is the largest takeaway from last night is that he knew it was his show and he took full advantage of it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. My friend, um, who's actually a Heat fan, was at the game last night. Uh, and when Maxi hit the second three, I just texted in our group chat. I was like, that that boy's different. He is different. Uh, and he was like, yeah, he's tough. Like, he couldn't even deny it. And I was like, he's the future. And he was like, you guys got to stop with the future. They're like, you know, you guys got to start winning now. And I was like, well, yeah. And Maxi's going to be part of that. But what I'm saying is he's he is the future. Like, this second wave of Sixers yeah. basketball – towards Tyrese. the end of Embiid's career is Tyrese Maxey. Um, and it's games like that that make you kind of – that solidifies that thought uh, within all these Sixers fans. Like, that wasn't just a, a good game from Maxey. It wasn't just 28 points. You know, like 20 – he's done that before. Uh, he's been there. He went toe-to-toe with John Morant earlier this year, put up 33, closed that game out. He comes back. He goes toe-to-toe with probably the sixth fan of the year, a guy who people think is one of the best perimeter defenders in the league in Jimmy Butler and one of the better players in the league in Jimmy Butler. You go against the, the number one seed, Kyle Lowry, the number one seed Miami Heat, one of the best defenses in the league, and puts 13 on your head in one quarter all over the place, whether it's a floater, because he can do that, whether it's a mid-range jumper, he can do that, get to the rim, you know, two defenders over the, high off the glass over two guys, or step sidestep threes, 35-footers, like – what can't this kid do when he's 21? Like, you just taught he turned 21 three months ago. Like, it's ridiculous. And I think it's it's really nice to see a lot of people. Like, he's getting that attention right now. Last night was really cool to see, like, you know, with Embiid, how excited he was. It got a lot of national attention. Um, and Maxi, you know, he deserves it right now. He was playing so well. And to see just smile on his face, calling the crowd on, and then after the game, kind of deflecting any credit, giving all the credit to Furcon and Shake. Like, he just has it all right now, it seems. And you know, one of the few times I think all of us have kind of just been like, damn, we got one. Like, we really, yeah. really got one. 
he's just perfect. Like everything about him between like, obviously he can just ball out on the court. We're seeing like every area of his game getting improving the, the shooting, the, the finishing ability, the, the athleticism, the pace, everything he has. And then to pair that with just like one of the most charismatic guys, one of the most hardworking guys, a guy that plays the game of basketball with more joy than just about anyone in the league. And he's yeah. art. He's, he's a sixer. He's a, the city of Philadelphia has fully embraced him. He has fully embraced the city of Philadelphia back, and it's awesome to just watch it happen. And I mean, I just can't say enough about him. And uh, real quick, this was uh, I had this dig up on the the Twitter timeline from a couple of Heat people chirping at us last night. We went into in depth. This was right after the bubble on the take that Shake Milton will turn out the better player than Tyler Hero. I don't think we're gonna sit on the right side of history of that one, but after last night, uh, I still felt pretty all right about that one coming out again. Yeah, man, to see Tyler Hero put up 10 points, uh, get, get locked up late, and just get, like, rotisserie chicken, like, the entire fourth. It didn't matter if it was Shake earlier earlier on in that quarter, Maxie towards the end of it, and Ty- or Tobias Harris in the middle of it. Like, everything they did was to get him on the ball. Like, I remember it was even um, Duncan Robinson was on a podcast, and he was talking about how in the finals in the bubble, LeBron would just, like, whoever Duncan Robinson was guarding, LeBron would just call on that guy and say, come set a screen. I want him to guard me because I know I'm going to get to the rim. Like, that's what it was. It was like, bring him here because I'm yeah. going to roast his ass and get to the rim. So, that like, worked. that was awesome. That was really awesome. Nothing better than – I mean, there's nothing better than beating the Heat. Maybe the Celtics, but there's nothing better than beating the Heat. And to have, like, such a great win um, against them when it feels like we always just have really bad losses uh, against them a lot of the times. Like, all the losses that we've had against them just, like, hurt. I remember, like – it must have been two years ago with, you know, the missed free throw and this Simmons off the, the rim kind of thing. And they went into overtime and they still lost. Like, it always just feels like bad losses to that team. Um, but, you know, a great one last night. There's, you know, some things still in question. The Sixers end up starting Paul Millsap last night. Uh, I don't know what to say. I, yeah. I suppose he played pretty well, um, relatively. But, you know, you have... Paul Millsap, you have DeAndre Jordan. And then you also have Charles Bassey, who, you know, who did not play. Uh, and Paul Reed, who played very little. 2.8 seconds. Okay, so he he didn't play. And, <laughs> like, I against a team like that that's so energetic, uh, that he aggressive, you know, you, you toss out DeAndre Jordan and Paul Millsap, who, you know, can't keep up. I don't know. I don't even know what to say. And it's going to be brutal when it comes down to this because I'm really, really concerned that this is going to, you know, lose them a game or two in the playoffs. Yeah. I, I mean, last night was like a, a prime example of like, you've nothing to lose here. Like, the, you, there's yeah. no reason for these guys not to get a chance, especially with the way we're talking about. Like, last night was a, an opportunity for all the bench guys to show their stuff. And these guys simply did not get that. To talk about, Paul Millsap specifically, I was pretty happy with how he played. He looked pretty good. He had a little bit of burst. He hasn't played the past couple games, so I guess his legs were rested. Uh, there was a play where he had Kyle Lowry in the post, just kind of spun him, got an easy layup like that, had an and one on a bucket. He competed. Millsap looked good. Uh, I, again, like I, not a great fix, like not a guy I'm, I'm loving rocking going into the playoffs. DeAndre yeah. Jordan who I think is still good rivers. Number one. I mean, he's so like finicky with like the, the rotations that I think that kind of, he would rather Deandre Jordan stay with the second unit was the reasoning behind that. But there's just, he's got no legs left. And I, I like Deandre Jordan. There was a time where he was awesome. He was an awesome lob threat. 
uh, could block shots, do it all. A guy whose whole style is catching lobs and blocking shots to lose his legs, that's your entire game. And that's what we're seeing. And there was a stretch in the early in the fourth quarter where I think it was three straight alley-oops to Bam Adebayo where they were just playing yeah. DeAndre Jordan in pick and roll, forcing him to kind of make a decision. And he just did not have the burst or just was unable to recover on that. And that the same way that like the Sixers had Tyler Hero circled, that he were doing the exact same to DeAndre Jordan saying like, and they got it both ways. There was one where he didn't get up on Lowry. Lowry hit a three right in his face too. And it's just like, he can't, yeah. like he just doesn't have the mobility to be able to do this. And there was another play where, it was a full out ISO, just Bam and DeAndre Jordan, where Bam just bodied him to the basket, missed it, got his own offensive rebound, and DeAndre Jordan didn't even like jump with him. And uh, going into yesterday's game, again, super small sample size. He's only been here for a couple games, but opponents are shooting seventy five percent at the rim with DeAndre Jordan in the game, and that's just like, like I think he's a decent margin worse than Dwight Howard, who was also unplayable in the playoffs. So. It's incredibly frustrating. I, I know that DeAndre Jordan is not the answer. I don't know if Paul Reed or Charles Bassey are either, but there's no reason why to not give him a chance. And I think at this point, it's pretty clear, like it's not going to happen this year. Uh, and we're going to have to roll with like the two corpses of 40 year old decent players going into the playoffs. Yeah, man, it's, it's just frustrating that that might be the way that this like kind of plays out. And after, I mean, after everything that we've been through and then we finally get to this point, this, this start of this season and we're like, damn, we have like the best backup center possible. Um, and then to move on and then it be DeAndre Jordan and Paul Millsap. Like, I just don't know why that I just don't get it. Like I feel like Paul Reed or I'm sorry, uh, Charles Bassey really had, I mean, he hasn't even gotten a shot, you know, yeah, like hasn't even gotten the chance. In a lot of ways, he's exactly what they're hoping for in DeAndre Jordan, too. It's like, we're not asking this guy to be something special. It's like, no. you catch lobs, you block shots, you get rebounds. And it's like, it's it, it's even more frustrating to me whenever I watch the Bluecoats. And he's doing all those things, like, yeah. so effortlessly and so easily. And it's like, this is such like a like a niche role and like a, a basic skill set role that's important for centers. And it's like, like, there's no reason why this guy can't at least try to do that, especially given the struggles. Yeah, yeah. And Bassey's like, yeah, he's the mold of player that would be fantastic next to James Harden. And I know that we've outlined that before and we've talked about it extensively, but I don't know. Like, I don't know how, again, it's hard for me to, it's hard for any of us to really like conclude anything because we're not, obviously we're not seeing it every day and we're not going through what, you know, what Doc's going through to make these decisions. But like to the to plain eye, DeAndre Jordan might be the worst player in basketball right now. Like. <laughs> I don't know how he has a job. He couldn't have, he couldn't keep a job with the Lakers. So like, let's be real. If you can't keep a job with the Lakers right now, you know, they're employing anybody and the old guys too. So like, mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense to me how they were like, okay, he's the answer. He's the guy that we should be picking up. Like, I feel like there's a, there's a, an NBA guy that's not on a contract right now that that's out there. That could be better. You know, a younger guy that could just be around. Like, I just don't understand how like they've seen DeAndre Jordan play for the Lakers and this, you know, this stretch with the Sixers and just feel any sort of okay going into the playoffs. Cause like he can't, like, they're just going to do that. And even if he's on the floor, they're just going to pick and roll. He's either going to switch and get dusted by the guard, or he's going to try to hang with the big and get dunked on. It's like, and I'm not kidding when I say that's going to be the result, like 90% of the time, it's going to be one of those two things. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. And uh, as much like, like he, as much as you say about like, I, I think there's 
somebody else out there. It's way more frustrating to me to just like he might be on this roster and we just have no idea. Like last yeah. night's a prime example of like there's no reason why not to give Bassie or B Ball Paul a shot. And B Ball Paul checked up to the scorer's table twice, only got in once and clocked two point eight seconds of play. And it's like like free the man give him a chance like last night was a again great win they got the win they did everything they competed all 48 minutes a lot of a lot of great stuff but 48 minutes of deandre jordan and paul Millsap as your primary big man is crazy to me and again there was no there's no like negative to just running him out giving a chance if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out everybody moves on but I think it's pretty clear last night was probably – and maybe not because there will be other Embiid rest days before the end of the season. Uh, 11 games ago, they've got two more back-to-back, so I think at least two more games, he says. But, uh, like, last night was a prime example of this is a great opportunity to play this guy or these guys, and it just didn't happen. Yeah, I don't – I don't know. And, like, I I like Paul Reed as a prospect. You know, maybe he has the higher ceiling of Charles Bassey, uh, you know, kind of – an arbitrary thought at this point because we can't we haven't seen much of either of them at the NBA level but like Charles Bassey as a foundation Charles Bassey as a player like I think he has a really good chance of projecting into the player that we might see him as like because like you said we're not asking him to be a back to the basket post move fadeaway jumper hook shot type player like you're asking him to be a rim runner a screen setter and a shot blocker like Mm -hmm. Those are the three things that you ask him to be. And there's a, there's a lot of guys in the NBA that are asked to do that. But his athleticism, his size, his agility, and, you know, his feel as a, as a roller, like what we saw earlier this season, he, he can roll to the basket. Like, he has a knack for it. Uh, and it's not just catching lobs. It's, he has great hands, huge hands. It will, you know, reach, catch the ball in a lot of different spaces. I don't know. I just – I mean, we knew that this was going to happen. We did. Um, yeah. But it's so frustrating to see it play out because I feel like the outcome of playing Charles Bassett at this point is just so much better uh, than what we're seeing right now because like it literally can't get worse. Like DeAndre Jordan is quite literally the worst backup center right now. So like I don't know how you can't get any better, especially with a guy who's like he's kind of bare bones, but the bones are good. Yeah. So like I don't know why you don't just roll with that. Yeah, and my my pro B-Ball Paul comment, I I totally get the critiques about he doesn't have a true position, uh, he doesn't have a a real niche in what he does, and he's not really sure exactly what he is as a player. But what he does do is he grinds his ass off, he competes for every rebound, he'll be in, he makes the hustle plays, and these are all things that would look impactful on this Sixers roster, especially with, like, the second unit. Like, the Sixers have been out-rebounded all year. To, To circle back to the Raptors game, they gave up 20 offensive boards and the Raptors had 20 additional possessions, 20 additional shot attempts compared to the Sixers. You just can't win games like that. Now is B-Ball Paul the, the cure-all to that? Probably not. Probably not. Pretty much definitely not. But to just yeah. throw him in and give him a chance and say like, go work your butt off, go up and get some rebounds, hustle. He'll do that. And like there again, I just don't see the harm in at least giving it a shot. Yeah. And especially against the Raptors, dude, the Raptors, were yeah long flying yeah like the raptors are made up of players whose skill set is paul reed like Mm -hmm. seriously and guys that are now getting the chance to kind of like i wouldn't be surprised if the raptors are intrigued by paul reed because he's that type of guy he's what 610 lengthy athletic kind of awkward doesn't do anything particularly well uh but doesn't do anything terribly so like it just i don't know i just paul reed i understand not 
wanting to put him in certain situations. I think that, like I said, the, the ceiling, the projection of what he could be, I think is a better player than, than what Bassey is. Um, but the way that they are now and the skill sets that they do have, I think Charles Bassey is a play now type guy. Yeah, uh, or at least has a shot to be. So that's that's just where I stand, and I just don't understand like the refusal and the stubborn nature of of Doc Rivers of just saying nope. You know he's under the age of thirty, so he can't be our backup <laughs> center. Like that's what we're looking at right now. It's like he's a young guy that would bring energy. You know, would rebound well. We talk about how poorly they rebound, um, and like I don't know, he's been killing it. And I know the G League compared to the NBA is you know worlds of difference. I understand that. Um, but there but, is some, there is some truth to those guys playing well. Like that's the next tier of players. So if he's dominating in that, you'd think he'd be, he could be a role player up here. Yeah. And at the same time, like this guy was the G league MVP. He shot 40, 45% from three in the G league. Like the line doesn't move. It's the same basketball. It's like, <laughs> yeah. there's aspects of his game that like, I believe will translate. And I, I like, again, there it will take him a learning curve, but there's things that he could bring, and it, it just frustrates me. And uh, another guy I want to bring up is Isaiah Joe. And in the night that was like the trial of the role players and the the earn your bench minutes, Isaiah Joe played four minutes, got up one shot, and a- empty stat line otherwise. And it's like it's minimized like this because Furkan obviously played well and and Shake played well, so those are probably the two he's kind of in competition for. But like again, it's like. Uh, let's give this guy a little bit of a chance, a fighting chance to earn some time. And these are all guys that I guess my biggest frustration is if you look like a couple years down the line, I think these are all guys that in a different situation could be very, very good players. Like draft wise, these were all, I think, hits and, and guys that can be impact players. Uh, not that they're anything special, but I think all rotational pieces that can benefit an NBA team. And I really do expect like, if it isn't in Philly, it's going to be somewhere else. And I could see all these guys just flourishing in another spot. Yeah. I mean, that would be the Sixers luck though. Um, Isaiah Joe is a curious case to me because I've always, I've been, you know, on board with to get Isaiah Joe more minutes. And I know it's difficult as a shooter to just hop up off the bench and find a rhythm. But Isaiah Joe to me, hasn't impressed me in his minutes, at least recently. Uh, not in like not in the way where I'm like I don't believe in him because I do, um, but he hasn't had that like breakout yet um, in the way that we did see from Shake and Furkan. But I think Isaiah Joe does. I, I'm confident in his ability to become a good shooter and an athletic defender as well, which is where he has me like the biggest leap I think. Yeah. From what we saw last year, um, he really this year uh, looked very good. You know, it's just so difficult right now because the rotation isn't deep. It's not going to be deep. Uh, so really these guys are battling for probably the 11th spot. Uh, Cause you know, you probably don't think doc's going any deeper than that. Right. In the playoffs. I hope not. I think 11 is too deep. I don't think we should go that uh, uh, like looking at the rotation, obviously Danny green plays Deandre Jordan will unfortunately play. And then beyond that, like, I don't know what is set in stone. Like there's shake for like it's very uh obviously and i guess things change because i'm looking at last night's lineup so niang will come off the bench so niang who's been the one like steady point in this bench unit i i don't really know where the lineup set in stone and i mean doc the, uh, one more frustration is last night in the pregame they're like will bassy or ball reed get a chance and he said yeah probably and let's just not play him but uh looking at the rotation as a whole it's like Doc says he's not worried about the rotation. You, you should be like th- we've seen this story before. So I don't know where things fully shake out. I 
I do think I hope this version if this version of Shake Milton and Furkan Korkmaz is here to stay, they absolutely deserve to be and they'll be very beneficial to this team. But I don't really know how deep. I hope it's not eleven. Yeah, I mean obviously so you have Maxi, you have Harden, Feibel, Harris, and B. There's your five. Mm-hmm. Uh off the bench you have Niang, you have DeAndre Jordan. Those are guarantees. Um and then so let's let's kind of map out the other, you know, three, four guys potentially. You know, it's gonna be Shake. Ferk. Ferk. You think those two are guarantees they're gonna be in? No, I don't. <laughs> like so Shake, Ferk, who else? You know, who else do you have on that list? Danny Green. Danny Green. Yeah, yeah, Danny. Okay, Danny, of course. He's so Danny's yeah, so it's Niang, Green, Jordan. There's seven or eight. Eight. And then probably maybe Shake and Ferk is kind of... Okay, so that's where you're sitting at. Yeah. And then pro- probably nobody else. I mean, Bassey and, and Reed definitely aren't going to mm-hmm. crack that. Charlie Brown Jr. is not going to crack that. No. Uh, um. Yeah. I. It's Paul not... Millsap. The, Paul Millsap. Maybe. He looked better than Jordan last night. I, I would prefer him to get minutes over Jordan. But once again, it's kind of a, a pick your poison and not a positive way. Yeah. So I, it's it's not that deep, and I know Doc has talked about it, and he said he was confident in eleven deep before. I believe that I was, that's what he said was eleven. Like I don't I don't know. I mean, this team went from being like, oh, like we got problems because guys are gonna have to fight for minutes to like, I don't know if we're gonna have full ten that can compete on a, in a playoff situation, uh, like within a span of of a couple months. And I know that you know things change and a lot of things yeah. happen. Yeah. Um, and you got a lot better on the top end, so you don't complain, obviously. Um, and th- that's the thing is, like, maybe this would be a good thing for Doc um, without having the luxury of last year being like, oh, shit, we can go – we can play our, our you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys for a couple minutes because we're that deep, we're that good. Um, but, like, I don't know if he's too stubborn that he'll just do it anyway. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. And it's a real quick touch on the Isaiah Joe point again. Uh, the thing I will say in his defense is, uh, well, A, I think his defense has improved a, a good bit, and he looks pretty much up to the NBA level, which I would like to see an extended version. And just, it's an extremely difficult, like, headspace as a player to, like, your whole playtime pretty much depends yeah. on if you make or miss shots. And and when you're playing, like, five minutes yeah. a game, getting one to two shots, and it's like, if they go in, everybody loves you. If they miss, it's like, like yeah. I'll see in a couple weeks. That's tough. So <laughs> I, I think getting him some extended minutes where he can find a flow, do his thing would be very beneficial to him as a player. And that didn't happen last night either. Yeah, no, I, I do totally agree. And that's why I said, like, it's not that I'm out on Isaiah Joe at all. Like by any means, I still mm-hmm. really believe in him as a player. It just, from what I've seen, it hasn't been like, Oh, start hot, stay hot type of game where mm-hmm. Isaiah Joe gets to the shot. And then, you know, he ha- he's forcing doc to keep him in the game or forcing doc to put him back in the game because he's been, you know, hi. It's a, that's a lot of it to ask for. A player, yeah, that's what but, I'm saying. Like, I I agree with what you're saying, but I think that's it's hard to if you coming off the bench get one to two shots, and if they go if the, the make or miss is pretty much how you're judged is a is a tough spot to be in. Yeah, absolutely. What I 100% agree. I just want him to have because we were so high on Isaiah Joe coming into this. I mean, that summer yeah. league was. I mean, it didn't fool us with Maxi. He he was dead dead straight right on uh with how max played in those couple games that we saw him but isaiah joe was a guy where we're like god damn he's gonna be <laughs> like he's gonna be lethal um and i just wanted a little bit more from him and again that's probably due to doc's rotations the way this has played out uh the fact that danny green still plays basketball for the sixers all things that have hindered 
Isaiah Joe's progress as a player. Um, do you want to touch on that Raptors loss? I know we talked about it a little bit, uh, but just really quick, do you want to you want to touch on that? Yeah, I mean, I think the the story of the game is a the rebounding, getting allowing twenty offensive rebounds, never never gonna be a way to win. The Raptors are a team that is built like to make the Sixers struggle in terms of kind of like what you said earlier. They're all lengthy. They're all athletic. They all have long arms, crazy wingspan. They get in passing lanes. And that's just like like they can eat up some of the the Sixers kind of play. Like a player like George Niang, who, again, I love with all my heart. But it's like you matched up against a guy with like twice your wingspan is probably not ending great for you on a, a regular basis or in creating separation and the Raptors are a tough team. They're not a team I would like to face in the first round of the playoffs. I would rather the Bulls, Cavs, uh, a good chunk. Raptors are pretty low on my list of teams I would like to play, to be honest. So I don't think it's as bad of loss as it kind of was made out to be. The The way it ended certainly left a sour taste. It was very disappointing. But I, I wasn't as in the dumps about that loss as I think a lot of people were. Um, one of the reasons I don't want to play the Raptors is because we'd get, like, Nick Nurse would run – coaching circles around doc rivers like for 48 minutes a night for you know seven nights or however many it might be like uh, that's more of my concern than anything else uh nick nurse is a world-class coach yeah and has that team playing really well uh especially for you know the, the type of caliber of players they have coming in and out of that game like their roster you know they have some exciting players fred van vliet is very good pascal siakam very good oj Anobi, very good player who i like a lot um, but then like, you just have, you either have young guys or guys that are trying to make it in this league. So like you got three yeah. or four guys that are solid and then the rest of your guys are trying to make it or, or, you know, quirky, different players. And like, I love Scotty Barnes. He's Me very too. good. He's awesome. Very good. I was super high at, uh, on him coming into this draft, but like talent wise, they don't match up anywhere close. Um, you know, the way that they're built is, you know, set up that to, to hurt the Sixers, but like. I just think about the way, like, James Harden got to the rim a lot. James Harden, you know, got downhill a good amount, especially later in that game. They couldn't find a way to capitalize on it. Like, their bigs would help. Their help defense helps. And, you know, it helps that they have five guys that are, like, six seven between, like, six yeah. seven and six eleven playing defense so they can all switch. Um, but, like, I just want it. That's where I want, like, I want Bassey under the rim to just lob. And he can go, you know, huge catch radius, like, there was something a play that happened last night. I think it was, I think it was Maxi drove in and threw like a lob to DeAndre Jordan, who just like didn't react fast enough, and he had to like catch it, bring it down, dribble once, and got fouled going up to the rim. It's like you got to punch that. You got to be ready, jump, and punch that because that's two points that you're not getting if you're DeAndre Jordan because you're a career fifty percent free throw shooter. So like, you got to be able to like. I just want guys that can be able to do that. The Raptors do pose a threat though. There and like you said, I wasn't. I was pissed off at that loss just because he shouldn't lose that. You scored 37 points early and then you managed to score 51 the rest of the game. Like can't happen. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that was the only frustrating part is that they looked so good early on. And I was like, okay, they're going to dust this team. It's over. That I didn't actually think that. Cause I, you know, they, they're classic lead blowers. So like, you know, never, never know if it's going to be done with, but yeah, I disappointing loss, but you move past it and a great win last night. So you kind of forget about it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it is the ebbs and flows of the season. It feels like there's been some very highs and very lows with the Sixers team specifically this year, more so than I would say most. And yeah. I mean, some of that's the nature of Philadelphia. Some of that's the nature of like this team specifically and, and the, the ways that they've won and lost games. But uh, 
at the end of the day, this is the same Sixers team. They're dealing with the same sort of issues that we've, we've known have been there all year and especially since the Harden trade. So it's kind of what it's going to come down to is how, how great Joel Embiid and James Harden can do if Doc Rivers can manage things right and how the bench produces. So I think last night was a, a positive sign in terms of the latter two and in, in Doc and in the bench because I will give Doc credit and kind of what we said, he isn't a ceiling raising coach, but he absolutely is a floor raising coach. And I think last night was a prime example of that. Uh, I hope it works out and I guess we stay tuned and we'll see the West coast trip coming up is going to be a challenge. And the, the, this end of the season schedule is an absolute grind for the Sixers. Yeah. Uh, but so a good test here going out West, um, the Lakers have been playing better. So, uh, you get to see the Lakers on Wednesday, I believe the Clippers on Friday, uh, and then, but you also see teams like the Suns out there in that that West Coast trip, and they don't yep. get back until you know this time next week. So a little bit of Sixers after dark, a lot of fun for all you know all of us in this in this industry. Get to stay up late and watch the Sixers. Uh, yeah. So that'll be fun for for us too and everyone else out there that's covering this team. Uh, but obviously, like you said, Sean, let's stay tuned with that. Uh, we'll catch you guys on Thursday. You can follow Sean at Sean underscore Bernard one. Follow me at JSBrain seventeen. Follow the pod at Pixel Pod. Check out the YouTube iTunes and Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, make sure you check out BetUS. Use our code PICKSWAP at login, and we'll catch you guys in just a couple of days.